Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, I asked you what your favorite soda was, and you said you don't like much soda these days. You drink sparkling water. And not just sparkling water. La Croix. La, la Croix. Or, as the millennials would say, La Croix. Aren't you a millennial? I am. But you're disavowing millennial pronunciation. Well, I hang out with you, so I'm... An, <laughs> you're way beyond millennial. I'm an point. honorary boomer. Are you a boomer? I'm a boomer. I'm er, a, early boomer. An early... I was born in 47. An early bloomer. No, Not boomer. bloomer, boomer. <laughs> All right, so here was a question we threw out on social media. Do you, you want to introduce yourself? Well, I wasn't done with the intro yet. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Hi, podcast. Michael. This is Michael with and Father And this Herb. is Father Herb. Okay, so think back to your soda drinking days, or the if you still enjoy an occasional soda. And I, I don't drink a lot of soda whatsoever. I, I enjoy a Coke Zero maybe twice a month. That's a Okay, th- I'm thinking back. Okay, can you rate these sodas from best to worst? There's four. Oh, boy. Cherry Coke, Mug Root Beer, Mountain Dew, or... Grape Fanta. Actually, I would not want to drink any of them. Maybe the root beer. I was going to say, I feel like you're a root beer kind of yeah, guy. The um, Definitely not Mountain Dew. Way, <laughs> way, way too sweet for me. My college refrigerator my freshman year and my dorm room was stocked with Mountain Dew. It was all It's all sugar and caffeine. Oh, it's so terrible for you. I know. I remember when I got to college and we could drink really anything we wanted in on-campus dining. I just thought it was the cool... I can drink pop for every meal if I want to. Deadly decision. That's why you have rotten teeth. That I mean, really, what happens to your mind when you're 18 years old isn't always... But I have to tell you, Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday... Yeah. Uh, a very wonderful family in the parish uh, texted me and said, would you like to have some of our Super Bowl food? You know, we're preparing. And they even sent pictures. Wow. It included uh, chili, of course. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Stromboli. That spice is still getting you. (laughs) uh, uh, Chicken wings. I mean, it was just wonderful assortment of various things. And I said, of course. Well, they dropped it off at my house. With a couple of cans of soda. Oh. And I drank one with the meal. Yeah. And when I put it to my lips, it just struck me as so such a strange taste because I'm not used to drinking soda at all. What type of soda was it? There were two. One was root beer yeah. and the other one was uh, probably a, a Fanta uh, orange or something. Oh, well, yeah. The orange is super sweet. I See, I figured you'd like the root beer only because during the summer, everybody likes a good root beer float. Do you like root oh, beer I love root beer float. Yeah, and let's let's get down to more serious things. <laughs> These are life's tough questions. Yeah, Father. let's let's just fill in everybody what what's happening. This is the last Sunday before Lent. So drink all the soda you can, friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my yeah my my Lenten sacrifice is to drink soda because <laughs> I don't like it. But uh, because next week. Th- our podcast comes out on Thursday, and Ash Wednesday will have come and gone. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Ashes. So, well, should we tell them the Mass times first? Why don't you? And then I'll talk about what's going to happen at the Masses. So we're actually keeping our normal Ash Wednesday schedule that we've had every year for the last several. It'll be 9 a.m. on Wednesday, as well as 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. 
And this year, because we've been asked not to put ashes from one person's forehead to the next, to the next, to the next. Yes. Uh, we are, well, what's the word? Instructed to use the, the formula that's done in some countries in Europe, namely of sprinkling ashes over people's heads. Which we talked a little bit about in the last couple of yeah. weeks. Well, I tried that out on my brother this morning. I, I texted my bro- one of my brothers who will be anonymous, but he lives in Van Wert with his wife. <laughs> and uh, I said, this is what we're going to be doing for H Wednesday. And he wrote back rather quickly and he said, I read that out loud, and my wife is not at all sure that she wants ashes in her hair. <laughs> One of the gentlemen in my disciple group uh, texted our. We have a, a group text, and he he texted us last night. What happens if a bald person gets ashes on their head? Are they going to feel bad that it doesn't get stuck in their hair? And then one of the guys that has no hair texted back, uh, "We're as sweet as sugar, so it will stick." <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, it's it's a symbol. It is a reminder of a penitential season. Uh, if it if it bothers somebody that they're going to really mess up their beautiful hair, that is their decision to make. It's, there's that's three, not required. There's three wise words you would say to me. Get over it. I thought you were going to say offer it up. Oh, <laughs> that's probably more Lenten, yeah. And yeah. maybe a little more pastoral. Okay, so with that in mind, let's do the Sunday before Lent, which is this coming Sunday. And guess what chapter of Mark's gospel we're reading from? Chapter one. And guess what we'll have for the first Sunday of Lent? Also chapter one, but earlier in the gospel. See, I remember from last week. You are very good. I'm, you know, today's not my first rodeo. Okay. Let's read the gospel here. And I am not going to have you read it in parts this time. Okay. Would you like to read the whole thing? Sure. So for those of you following along, it's Mark chapter 1. We're starting at verse 40. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I do will it. Be made clean. Then leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything. But go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. Now, one of the things that's problematic with our translations, uh, the translation is really rather literal. Yeah. And there are personal pronouns that are used, and sometimes you don't know the antecedent. In other words, when it says, he remained outside in deserted places, is it Jesus remained outside in deserted places? Sure. Or is it the man who was cleansed from leprosy that remained outside? So uh, you have to read this with knowledge of who it's referring to. And of course, it's Jesus who remained outside in deserted places. Sure. Now, this is such a, a wonderful twist and a turn because at the beginning of the gospel it's the leper who had to remain outside in deserted places yes interesting. They, they were not lepers were not just sick this is like taking a step beyond all the healing stories mm-hmm. you know we had jesus heal the mother-in-law of peter we had jesus heal all kinds of 
sicknesses in the crowds, driving out demons, unclean spirits. Yeah. But now it comes to leprosy, and leprosy was the big L. And I don't mean loser, but it was <laughs> leprosy was the ultimate uh, issue of the day sure. because they were considered ritually unclean. So it's not just physically sick, but they were ostracized. They were on the fringe. They were outside, and they had to remain outside of the community. And if you read the first reading from the Sunday, which is from Leviticus, it said they couldn't even go into the campground. You know, like when the for, the forty years in the desert, mm-hmm. when they would set up camp every night as they're wandering around. Yeah, they had to put their little pup tent out there in the middle of nowhere. I remember when I had recovered from COVID and I came back for the first time. The first thing you said to me was, "Do you need to ring a bell ahead of you so we know you're coming?" <laughs> and then we put you behind plexiglass. And then you were I, already behind plexiglass before that. I went into my glass case of emotion and I haven't left. Yeah. But, you know, in some ways, the whole idea of quarantine, you know, having to stay away from other people is a, a bit, a tiny probably taste of what maybe they had to go through. Obviously, maybe not with all the physical. And it pain. was considered, it was pretty much considered a lifetime uh, disease. A lifetime sentence. Hmm. Although showing themselves to the priest and the priest prescribing that he was clean kind of indicates that they must have had some notion of people either recovering or maybe it wasn't truly leprosy. Hmm. So the priest really was not just there to um, officially do, you know, temple ritual. The priest also was the the gateway to allow them to come back into the community. So when he said, go show yourself to the, the priest, the priest would put like the, the stamp of approval on them. It's almost like if you've had your, your two vaccine shots for uh, COVID, yeah. you get a little card and you can show that you are, uh, I won't say COVID proof, but you can show that you have had both shots. People are loving, it's a big deal to post some sort of selfie online with your your card in fact they were showing on uh the news this weekend at i think it was at the patriot stadium in new england that they're using the stadium as a vaccination site and so one of the things they're allowing people to do is to go into the stadium and take a selfie with their card with um the the big open stadium behind them so people were going in for and with with the uh the sound effects with yeah (laughs) yeah i was telling father before we started today i was fascinated this weekend on uh, CBS Sunday Morning, they did a, a segment about the NFL and all of the crowd sounds that they had to pipe in this year for games. And that they basically had created a whole machine that had happy sounds and angry sounds in all differing levels, uh, soft, medium, loud, of how they would get crowd reactions out to the television audience when plays were happening. And so now you're going to play that during my homily on Sunday. Boo! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, everybody holding their breath like <laughs> maybe I mean sometimes you could use a little more laughter. I think with the masks it's hard for people to react sometimes. And you've got sometimes you've got some good one-liners. You know, I I have to say I appreciate people in the crowd who have the ability to laugh out loud and that sit close enough up I can hear them. Yeah. You know, like 
Boy, Karen responded beautifully at the 11 o'clock mass Sunday, and thank God for Karen. The, <laughs> I don't even know who you're talking about. But yeah, I mean... Well, that is her name, so I'm, uh, not, I'm not referring to... No, I don't mean like a, a Karen. Karen. A yeah. Karen, I yeah. knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the audience reaction is important. So anyway, wow, we got off on a tangent. We, you did, yes. All right, I guess I, I introduced that one. You did. But, but it's, it really is the thing about Jesus boldly went where no one has gone before. He actually touched a leper. Mm. They were not supposed to be touched. He healed him. And then in a sense, he almost took the leper's place. And he went out uh, into the deserted place. He healed and brought the leper back into community. That is the beautiful healing. Mm -hmm. But he's also giving a message to the people that they need to accept the man back as well. So I've asked the question, you know, who was receiving the healing from Jesus? Was it the leper? Yes. Was it the crowd or the people in the community? Potentially yes as well. Mm -hmm. uh, healing is always to restore. One of the main things we have to remember with all of these stories about healing of the last three weeks is that it's not just Jesus putting on a show and they're not recorded just to tell people that Jesus is divine. In fact, he makes a real point of keeping a lid on that. Right. The main thing that Mark is trying to say is the line that will be read at Mass the Sunday after Ash Wednesday when, when Jesus basically says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. The healing is a sign of the kingdom. It's restoration, the wholeness, W-H-O-L-E. Uh, the, the wholeness of the world, the new era is being ushered in, and that is uh, what all this healing is a reminder of. Jesus is taking the broken parts and putting it back together. That reminds me of um, back in, what year was the new translation of the Mass, when we started the new translation of the Mass? I want to say maybe eight years ago, maybe 10. Okay. So I remember it was not popular. I'll be the first to admit it. It wasn't my best choice. But we started a new mass setting then. It was called Mass for a New Era. Do you remember when we did that? I think I do. And I loved that title at the time because I think every time in history, each generation wants to have some sort of stamp or... Um, you know, their, their footprint, their handprint on what's taking place, right? And so even in the midst of this beautiful ritual that we celebrate with Mass that has been around for a very long time, uh, you know, even with a new translation, something new was happening. But what I really loved about that was that it was written by a young woman that I think she was like a teenager when she wrote it. And here was somebody young in the church kind of putting her stamp on the kingdom now, um, and writing something that hopefully churches would use. Now, like I said, I'll fully admit it wasn't everyone's favorite, and we no longer use it. Um, but it was one of those examples of, although it's the Mass is something that's timeless, we each get an attempt to be um, a part of what is taking place every day. You know, day there's a whole lot to be said. Uh, I want to make it really clear. We still use the Mass, the new translation, but we're not using that particular musical setting. Oh, did you get that from, did I? I just wanted to be clear. We but, stopped having mass. But my mind also went to the way the mass is adapted 
into different cultures around the world. And, you know, the mass is celebrated and sung with different musical styles. Yeah. I have traveled around the world and I have celebrated mass in Papua New Guinea where everybody automatically sings in four-part harmony. Everybody in the, every, it's, it's just a natural thing. I asked the people how they do it. They just said, it just, just happens. Just happens. Yeah. It's great. It just sounds right. It was the most incredible thing. But I've also celebrated in Vietnam where the chanting there is very, very different than anything my mind was used to. Mm. And I could not understand a word except maybe uh, the word Alleluia, but nothing else. Uh, but it was still incredible. So uh, in, uh, in Africa, after the uh, consecration, yeah. when the priest held up the host, everybody applauded. <laughs> now, I don't mean applause like at a football game, but it was like... A, it wasn't the NFL crowd cheers? It, it was not a no. cheer like that, but it was, it was really cool. So they didn't ring bells. They did that. Wow. Uh, and they did that holding up the host, holding up the cup. So it's, it's really beautiful that the Eucharist is celebrated in different cultures differently. Yeah. And I, I think we have to accept that because that's the human element. Right. And through the centuries, they've used different music. You know, there was a time the pipe organ was considered uh, too secular sure. for church. Yeah. So I think uh, it's a beautiful yeah. reminder that the church is not meant to be uniform. It's meant to be universal. Yeah. United, but, um, exactly. Yes. But still with, uh, with some diver diversity. Yeah. So back to this gospel story, do you think Jesus, <laughs> you know, it's almost like here, I did a nice thing for this guy. I told him not to say anything other than to the priest. You know, I have to tell you over the years I've discovered everybody gets carried away with that last line. Don't tell anybody, and then so Jesus, uh, so the man goes out and publicizes the whole matter. Right, I mean, and people get way waylaid by that. I don't think that's the main topic of the gospel reading. Yeah, but just to address it, since you brought it up, and you probably represent eighty-three wow. percent of the people who are going to listen on Sunday. That sounds a little condescending, Father. Eighty-three percent is pretty high. I, <laughs> uh, I so when I was a, much younger, I thought it was reverse psychology. Jesus would say. Uh, well, don't tell anybody so that they would tell people. <laughs> but but here it's, I think it's the human element. If you were just allowed to come back home when you had been restricted all this time, sure. how do you keep that message to yourself? Of course. You, you just tell everybody. But it, it's also part of this whole picture why Jesus had, he himself stayed out in deserted areas. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like an exchange going on. It's, it's also the idea that Jesus did not want to emphasize the healing. He wanted people to come to know him as the healer, right. not as the healing, you know? So it's not what I, what am I going to get out of it? It's so much as, can I get to know this person? I love this weekend's Psalm response. It's um, even just the, the words themselves are lyrical. I think without even being set to music, but from Psalm 32 this weekend, I turn to you, Lord, in time of trouble, and you fill me with the joy of salvation. We have to do that, don't we? It's beautiful. Um, we have to turn to the Lord in time of trouble. Which I think a lot of people sometimes it's easy in times of trouble to turn our backs on our faith, right? That we, we try to hold it on to it It goes either ourselves. way. Either way. So, some people like, okay, God, 
why are you, why are you doing this to me? I'm mad. So I, I turn away from God. Yeah. But there's also many who that's when they come to God, but then they feel guilty. Like, Oh no, God, I'm sorry. I only come to you in times of trouble. Only when I need something. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think God is upset if we come in time of trouble. He might say, okay, you came in time of trouble. Stay with me. Well, I think that's because we tend to put human reactions on a God that is does not have human reactions to something, right? I think we as humans would be annoyed if somebody only came to us when they needed something. I believe that God, every time we go to God, in his infinite love just says, come, come into me, you know, yeah. with, with arms yeah. open wide. Yeah, I, I think we really totally misunderstand God and God's graciousness. So this weekend, final Sunday of ordinary time, which means you're not going to get to wear green for quite a while. I will not have green. We will not sing the Alleluia. We will not sing the glory to God after this Sunday. Uh, so eat it up, folks. This is the time. <laughs> It'll be good. I think Lent, though, is always, you know, remember last year it was during Lent that we started really getting into all of the uh, shelter in place at homes and everything that was taking place. So we're really reaching kind of like, I was talking to somebody this morning who said, you know, I feel like I'm still in Lent from last year. Yeah. I think a lot of people do feel that way, but we can still use this upcoming Lenten season as a time of renewal. Even if we still feel like we're, we're participating in last year's penance as well. And I think Easter, you know, speaking of Easter today in the mail, we received our order form for Easter flowers, and that brought a little sunshine into my office this morning, seeing all those beautiful spring flowers, even on a piece of paper, knowing that they will be filling our church with fragrance. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say that we got our Easter candle. Uh, that's not here yet. We should probably make sure that was on. Our order. Do they know the story about the Easter candle? We will. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're out of time. We'll have to tell them next time. We promise we'll tell the story about the Easter candle. All right, people, have a great week. We will see you this weekend for the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time and then next week for Ash Wednesday. God bless you.